It's NOLA History Guy podcast for Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. Welcome to NOLA History Guy Podcast for Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. Yeah, we're back and we're rolling. Uh, it's that kind of in-between time right now when it comes to carnival, right? You know, we had uh we 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 always kick off carnival in a big way with Twelfth Night and rolling with uh you know, everybody gets their first king cake and the long lines at various bakeries and everything. And then, of course, Twelfth Night, Revel Twelfth Night Revelers and the Funny 40 Fellows and all of the initial stuff to kick off Carnival. So that, you know, we, you know, it's it's the Feast of the Epiphany. We're kind of moved from Christmas right into it and go from there. Now we're kind of in that that time where. We're, we're trying different king cakes and we're getting psyched up. If you're in a carnival organization, you might have a, a ball or a supper dance or other events going on in private. But there's no real public presence to carnival right now except for king cakes. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? So now is a good time for what I call a carnival primer. Uh I've given this talk before to various groups that come. It's usually uh, out-of-town groups that come for a convention or a meeting or something in the summertime, and they want to know a little bit more. Hey, what can you tell us about Mardi Gras? And, oh, sure, absolutely, not a problem, especially for you know folks that have never been and never experienced. Hopefully they come back, that kind of thing. So here we go with our carnival primer going way back into history up to current times. Uh, of course, I'm Ed Brandley. I am the NOLA History Guy. It's at NOLA History Guy on pretty much everything from Twitter to uh, all the way to threads and uh, Instagram, you name it. I'm NOLA History Guy there. <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, a, basically a history of Mardi Gras a carnival primer here. We'll talk about the origins of carnival, talk about uh, where carnival kind of rolls into more, the more modern age, starting with the mystic crew of Comus and then the old line parades. We'll talk about black Mardi Gras as well, our super cruise, Yardi Gras, and then we'll bring it all home uh, with talking about where we are now and what's going on. Origins of Carnival, we'll talk about going back into medieval Europe and uh, European traditions that come over with uh, colony, you know, with uh, colonization of Louisiana and going from there. Here's a float from the uh, crew of Proteus 
1931, it's showing a medieval Mardi Gras celebration. And of course, there's a couple of things going on here. The the big thing is, you know, we're rolling, you're rolling from uh, the, the Lord of the Manor, the Lord of the Castle back in medieval times would uh, have, of course, Christmas court. And then you'd have another gathering and another feast and celebration for the epiphany for Twelfth Night. And that would all keep rolling. And there would just generally be a festive mood after epiphany that would come to a climax on Mardi Gras, on Fat Tuesday. And the idea was that, of course, Fat Tuesday got that name because it was the last blowout or the last feast and celebration before Lent. And the, 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 so basically the idea of a Mardi Gras or of a, you know, Carnevale farewell to flesh celebration on Fat Tuesday, uh, the big event, if you will, in at at the castle at the the manor for the the lord the 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 baron the earl the duke depending on where you are in the feudal system is going to be to knight the young men who are coming of age one of the things here of course you know the 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 idea behind lent is a period of sacrifice before easter which in the catholic christian liturgical calendar Easter is the most important uh, uh, feast, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. Uh, from a more practical standpoint, the idea here was that Lent was the beginning of the planting season and the beginning of spring. And one of the things about that, you know, it's like the, the last thing you want is people is drunken revelry when the planting has to be done. The other catch is that springtime moving into the summer is when is is when the lords and the the the, the kings go to war. Uh, March and early spring, you start getting into the crummy weather of early spring and the old April showers make May flowers. So they're not quite going to war yet, but that gives time for the armies to train and work and incorporate the new knights into the formations and that kind of thing. So we need to knight, we, we need to knight the 18 year olds, right? We need to knight the squires that are coming up. And that's where Mardi Gras comes in. It's that blowout before Lent, unite the young men, you, you proclaim, you know, dub them with the sword. Then you have a huge bash on Mardi Gras to have the big feast and celebrate their, their new status as knights. And then you wake up, you go to church on Ash Wednesday and start preparing for war. And Proteus gives us a float that, that illustrates this in 1931, showing us medieval Mardi Gras. The tradition of the king cake goes back uh, prior to the 1850s, you see that the carnival celebration is by and large a family slash private one. So you would have the tradition of the Gateau de Roy 
or the galette de roy, depending on the type of, of cake you have. These are the king cakes in the original form. Uh, with, that's that's a whole nother discussion in terms of uh, of what we see with um, with the king cake and the modern uh, the modern tradition of the king cake but you get the idea you know it's like it starts as a family celebration you have an, a lovely dinner and then you bring out the gâteau du roi and serve the king cake let's keep going now by the time of the 1840s and 1850s new orleans is is becoming a big deal cotton is king the port is a big deal Riverboats, the steamboats are are bringing cotton down the river to the port to then export it back up north to uh to the to the the uh, various ports on the Atlantic and then of course across the ocean across the Atlantic back to Europe. New Orleans is big, it's growing, it's bustling, and the Creole French Spanish traditions continue and the basically what was that family kind of privacy celebration pours out into the streets and it gets a little rowdy and gets out of hand and so by 1856 a group of businessmen decide we need to do something a little more organized. And in 1856, a group of businessmen who were from New Orleans and also a few were from Mobile come together and they form a secret society. And they call that secret society the Mystic Crew of Comus. They organize in uh, the fall and winter of 1856, and they hold their first parade for Mardi Gras for Carnival Day in 1857. And you see those basically, so you've got uh, a, a, a several parades uh, prior to the Southern Rebellion, but after uh, 1861, in 1862, of course, you start having the uh there's there's the uh the the rebellion is in full swing and then of course by may of 1862 the city is under union occupation so there's no parades uh in 62 63 and 64 uh, uh actually 65 as well the parade comes back in 1866 and continued on from there into the 20th century the last parade of the Mystic Crew of Comus was in 1993. Uh, the, the crew suspended their parade uh, as part of a protest uh, for what was the, the uh, uh, known uh, in terms of New Orleans and carnival history as the Mardi Gras Ordinance, where the Black majority city council at the time started imposing, well, wanted to impose restrictions on the private clubs that sponsored the parade saying you had to open up your membership roles. And these were secret societies. They didn't want to do that. So they stopped parading in 1993 because that was the way to avoid having to follow the city's restrictions. And of course, the ball can, the balls continued after that and continued to this day. 
So here's a an illustration. Uh, it's a Frank. Uh, I can't remember if this is a Harper's or a Frank Leslie illustration, but it's an illustration of the um, the Comus in 1958, and you can see it's the the parade is coming down Canal Street, and it's turning onto Royal Street. So that big building in the background, those are the Turo buildings. It's a it's a series of uh, retail shops on the first and second floor, and then the third and fourth floor. Well, some some of the retail went as far up as the as the fourth floor. Some of that was apartments and offices and that kind of thing. So this would have been the second Comus parade. 1857 was the first, and so this is 58. And here's an illustration. You see, they're coming, they're coming down. Uh, Canal Street heading toward the river and then making a turn to go back into the French Quarter on Royal Street. What looks like that big flashing light is actually a projection lamp, uh, pr most likely burning magnesium so that it, it's incredibly bright. And that's lining, uh, that's lighting up the King's Float that you can see there. So you've got a, a basically a cart with men manning that light. And then you have the king, uh, or well, actually the king of Comus is not a king. He is Comus, he is a demigod. So you don't say king of Comus, but it is the, the float that has the, the member of the crew chosen to represent Comus that year. So it's a small affair at this point, mostly walking, marching, people in costumes, on horseback, that kind of thing, with just a couple of floats at this point. But it's still, you can see, uh, there uh, a, a, a fairly good-sized crowd came out to see the parade, and you can see the balcony of the Turo buildings, and it's uh, people there, and then folks in the neutral ground as well. A uh, side note on this from the guy who wrote the book on the Canal Streetcar, there's no streetcar on, well, there's no Canal Streetcar yet in the neutral ground of Canal Street. The other streetcar lines are coming up from uptown and turning around, uh, uh, that kind of thing. But there's no streetcar yet that's servicing Canal Street at this point. Moving on, let's fast forward uh, nine years to 1867. And now what we're seeing is the uh, the parade has gone through the quarter and it's the, the route evolved over a bit of time. But here the parade is moving into Uptown. It's on the other sides of Canal Street. So the previous illustration from uh from 18 from 1858 shows the parade going into the quarter now it's per, the parade has gone down canal street and it's made a right turn on canal heading into uptown now and you can see the 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 uh the St. Charles Theater there as a geographic reference that they've turned and come in of course the mystic crew of comus is, is has was always a night parade and uh, initially, you saw just the that big spotlight to focus on Comus and the float that he's riding on. Now you see the beginnings of the flambeau. And in this case, you see we've got Black men who are holding the flambeau 
on on long poles on their shoulder and then the actual torches the actual burning kerosene is on is in little pots that are on those long poles that they're holding on their um on their shoulders and of course this evolves because that's not terribly practical it's you know you still have people who are going to push and shove and interfere with this and so it could you know presented some potential some potential problems with this that kind of thing so you can see on the right hand side there's a sign that says uh lords of the ladle and you start seeing the uh the 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 uh, a uh, a fatted calf and a fatted uh, a fatted pig and fish for this for seafoods uh, for seafood celebrations along with wine uh, all again portending the the purpose of carnival which is that last big blowout before Lent. Move a few years ahead to eighteen seventy. Comus, uh, excuse me, 1873. Now, by 1873, Comus isn't the only game in town. There's other parades that are happening as well uh, during the day, in particular Rex on, on Carnival Day. Uh, but Comus wraps up the Carnival celebration as the last thing coming, uh, you know, happening. And so what we see here is Comus coming down Canal Street. Uh, they're they're on the uptown side. That's how they make that turn on to uh on that's how they make the turn on to uh uh to uh St. Charles Avenue. And you can see the 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 celebration there and the uh various uh stores and shops have set up reviewing stands. Uh they're they're flying flags to celebrate to honor Rex and Comus. As they go by, you can see there's a tidal wagon that's in front, says Mystic Crew Comus, and the theme of the parade, Missing Links to Darwin's Origin of the Species. The flambeau here, you can see now, are the what we now know as the classic flambeau presentation. Each one of the flambeau carriers is holding a pole that at the top of the pole has a bucket of kerosene on those metal plates that are attached to the pole. That's a torch. Gravity feeds the kerosene to the torch. You light the torch. It, it, set, it, it, it flames the kerosene and that lights the parade as they march down the street. Here's a modern flambeau and a better illustration of that torch basically here's the there you you don't see the bucket but at the top of the pole that this man that this flambeau carrier is holding is a bucket of kerosene uh this is an orpheus by the way uh a uh, uh, crew of orpheus one of the super crews uh you could tell because of the liar that's their logo that's on the on the metal plate so there's a bucket of kerosene up there feeding those two burning uh torch areas on the flambeau, uh, and he's just marching down the street, heading, uh, you know, leading, lighting up the parade. Comus, of course, has evolved a good bit over the years, but of course, the big thing, the closeout piece of Comus was always their bal mosque, their 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 costume ball, and uh, Comus traditionally, again, he's not a king. Remember, he's a demigod. So he is just Comus. 
He doesn't wear a, a crown per se, but he wears those those feathered ostrich plumes uh, because he is he is a demigod. Uh, he does not carry a scepter. He carries a silver chalice and presents and waves the chalice. He's wearing a mask because members of the Mystic Crew Comus are uh, it's a secret society and they they want to be anonymous. Uh, so you see, so this is the Comus Ball from 2019. As we said, the parade stopped in 93 after the dispute with the city, but they continued the ball uh, rather than, you know, uh, initially they would use one of the big opera houses or one of the big theaters. Then in 1930, when the municipal auditorium was constructed, uh, Rex and Comus moved their balls into the municipal auditorium. But then in 93, they had to move to uh, one of the hotels. And so now what we see is uh, basically Rex is in the Marriott and Comus is in the Sheraton. So they have their balls and they're directly across from each other. That makes it easy to facilitate a tradition that goes back now well over a, a century. And that's what's called the meeting of the courts. And we'll talk about that when we get into Rex momentarily. So let's talk then. Obviously, uh, Comus was not the only parade Uh Starting in 1857, of course, they were, but other groups are like, hey, if these guys can do it, we should, you know, we, we, yeah, we want to have a parade too. So that's where the tradition of carnival crews and carnival parades begin. One of the first parades after Comus was the, uh, the crew known as the Twelfth Night Revelers. And they held up, the Twelfth Night Revelers held a parade on January 6th, 1870, followed by their ball. And they paraded in with their, their costumes and their celebration. Uh, it was the first and last Twelfth Night Revelers parade, but uh, the ball has continued to this day. Basically, they, they, took, they took a look at what it takes to actually go out on the street and parade. And they were like, nah, we'll, thanks, we'll pass. So what they, of course, the, the crew continued the tradition of celebrating on Twelfth Night, and that's continued to this day. But after that first parade in 1870, they dropped the idea. You can see the tableau again of the, the presentation of various aspects of carnival. You have the, uh, the, you have the, the maskers who are representing the different parts of the feast. You have the king's cake. That thing looks like a more of a classic wedding cake uh, was the big king's cake. Uh, of course, wine of all kinds, and then the teapot and uh, other uh, desserts, uh, desserts and treats and fancies. And uh, these folks marched a little bit and then uh, convened into the uh, the old opera house uh, to uh, have their ball. As we said, that was the first and last Twelfth Night Revelers. By 1876, here's an invitation to the ball on January 6th of that year. And you can see it's to a Miss, Miss M. Deneg. 
and the Deneg's uh, very old line, uh, established uptown New Orleans, quote unquote, society family. And uh, obviously, Miss Deneg here was a uh, probably a maid uh, of the Twelfth Night Revelers, hence the lower number of her invitation. The we'll we'll talk a little more about the Twelfth Night Ball in a little bit. We'll get there. So by 1872, Comus is now well, a well-established commodity, but there's still nothing really, you know, seriously organized for the daytime. Uh, Epiphany and Twelfth Night and the Revelers tried to do their thing, and that didn't quite pan out. The um, the Comus Parade is well a thing and established, but there still was nothing for during the day in uh, uh, on, on, uh, on Carnival Day, on Mardi Gras. That changed when a new organization formed in 1872 that became known as the School of Design. And the School of Design's purpose or mission was to hold a parade and choose a king for carnival. Now remember, Comus isn't a king. So there is no king of carnival yet. So they hold a parade for Rex, king of carnival. And you can see this is the 1873 edition of the Rex parade. Now what's happening here is you, it's a similar type move. Uh, we you, you, What you're seeing is the, the parade is coming out of uh, Royal Street and coming, uh, it's actually, no, I take that back. It's coming out of Charters Street and it's heading towards Royal Street. Royal Street is that statue in the middle of the illustration that's uh, that's the Henry Clay Monument. So the parade is coming out of Charters. Then there's a bit of a block. There's a you know kind of a distortion there, but then you see the four-story Turo building from the older illustration on the right-hand side, and then you go all the way down to Dauphine Street. You see that spire, that that Gothic pointy roof for a church. That's Christ Episcopal at Canal and 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 Dauphine Streets. So the parade is on both sides of the street at this point. You can see there are the floats that are turning off of charters to go up Canal Street. They're going to go up past Dauphine, make a U-turn. And now you can see on the left-hand side, the floats are turning onto St. Charles Avenue to go uptown. So this is Rex 1873. That evening, Rex holds uh, the, the school design, uh, they, they hold a ball. The caption, this is an illustration of the ball. The caption for this says, Grand Ball of His Royal Highness Rex King of Carnival at the Expo Exposition Hall, which was down on St. Charles Avenue, on February 25th, 1873. And you can see that the men of the crew have uh, changed from their costumes during the day that they wore on the floats or on horseback. Now they're in formal attire with their ladies who are in their uh, finest gowns celebrating until midnight till the end of uh, till the end of carnival. Modern day Rex 
is well rex of course has become a big thing it's the the idea of creating a king of carnival stuck and so the school of design or what's also known as the rex organization names a civic leader annually to be the king of carnival there's no secrecy here they dress the, they dress up rex with the beard and the mustache to give him some gravitas but his you know his name is published in the paper and everyone there's no secrecy here for who rex is at his side of course is the his uh, his consort the queen of carnival who is one of the premier debutantes of the year uh, you know how you have debutante, debutante cotillions in other cities. The carnival balls serve as New Orleans debutante cotillions. That is the way that young ladies come out to society is as part of a part of the carnival season. So there, the different debutantes are all presented at the various uh, carnival balls. You have the uh, different debs, uh, different debutantes will be chosen to be the queen and the 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 first maid of the various carnival organizations culminating with Rex and Comus. Remember I told you we'd come back to the concept of meeting of the courts. This is the meeting of the courts in 2019. You can see that's the same Comus, that's the same Rex and Comus from the previous uh photos. Uh, Comus is there. You can get a better view of his his chalice. His consort is the young lady in the white silver on the far right of the uh, of the photo. What's happened is that uh, the the two courts come together at the Comus ball. So basically, what happens is toward the end of the evening. Uh, it's all earlier now, but it used to actually go all the way till midnight, where a representative of Comus would go over to the Rex Ball. Now, when they were both in the municipal auditorium on both halves of the auditorium, this was easy for them just to walk over. Now, somebody's got to go across the Comus and the Sheraton and Rex over in the Marriott. They would have to come in and 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 uh, go across the street. And then uh, they would go to the Rex ball. They you'd bow to Rex and invite him to come join Comus at their ball. And that's what happens. The Rex ball keeps going. People are still partying, drinking, dancing, having a good time. But the court makes its goodbyes to their own ball and goes to the senior cruise celebration across the street. If ever you want some fun on, 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 Carnival night on the night of Mardi Gras, uh, tune in to uh, WYES or wherever. I, I I think it streams on YouTube now. I don't know if they actually cover it anymore. I haven't watched it in ages. Uh, but go on Twitter and uh, follow hashtag hash Rex Comus, all one word. And people just, you know, there there's like Rex Comus bingo and all kind of goofy crazy stuff that goes along with it well anyway the point of this is so rex comes over with his court his his lieutenants his dukes that kind of thing they come over at that point actually you know, i didn't mention i'm going to come i'm going to jump back to this slide the gentleman on the left in white tie and tails that is a duke 
he is wearing just formal wear again. Rex is not a secret society. So he's wearing just regular formal wear. And you can see the medallion there. He is a Duke. He escorted one of the maids in their presentation. On the left, on the right-hand side of the picture, you can see the purple of one of the Rex lieutenants. They are masked because they ride on horseback during the parade. And three or six, two pairs of three of, of the lieutenants wear their riding uniforms to the ball to lend, again, a little more celebration. Okay, so back to 11, 11.30 at night now, a little bit earlier because of the TV and everything else. Rex comes over to Comus. The two split up so that Comus escorts the Queen of Carnival and Rex escorts the Queen of Comus, who, by the way, the Queen of Comus is generally regarded as the top debutante of the year, with the Queen of Carnival being, yeah, kind of, she got edged out by the Comus girl, that kind of thing. So they have a grand march uh, to the grand, you know, to, uh, to Verdi's Aida, to the, 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 the Grand March from the Opera Aida, and they circle the ballroom, and they wave their scepters, and Comus waves his chalice, and they parade uh, in front of their guests. They come back to the dais, and then they salute everyone uh, and continue on for those last few moments uh, to uh, accept the, you know, the, the various uh, dignitaries that are attending the ball come, and bow before the four uh, monarchs and present themselves and that kind of thing. When the ball is over, carnival is formally over for the year. And of course, at midnight, that's when you get the crew of mounted NOPD cops and garbage trucks and street sweepers that are clearing the streets to pick up all the trash and debris from the day. And uh, that. Strictly, that isn't the end of Carnival because everybody goes to private parties uh, and parties into the wee hours of the morning. So that's the 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 two big old line crews, if you will. Rex, of course, is still parading. The King of Carnival still comes you know, every year and does his thing. But what we don't see any longer, of course, is Comus on the streets. One of the other big parades that, that organizes in 1872 as well is the crew of the Knights, I should say, the Knights of Momus. And Momus, of course, is a god of mirth. And Momus is uh, another, yeah, you, you start getting the, you got Comus as a secret society. They limit the number of people. Naturally, other men want to be part of this game. So they formed the Knights of Momus. Uh, there's a there's a there's connections here. For example, the uh, the uh, the Mystic Crew of Comus has uh, a a connection or an affiliation to a luncheon uh, social club whose uh, whose clubhouse, if you will, whose you know whose uh, uh, domicile is in the 800 block of uh, of Canal Street. It's the Boston Club. Momus has a connection to the Louisiana Club, which is another luncheon uh, businessman's club that, again, these are closed membership organizations, quote unquote, secret societies. So you can see here the captain of Momus is presenting a scroll 
to Momus 2017, and he's being supervised, he's being observed by the dukes of the organization. They're all wearing masks. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it it's not a coincidence that the captain of Comus and the captain of Momus and a few other crews are wearing white robes, but that they try, we try not to discuss that as much any longer. You get the idea there. But anyway, so the captain is the guy with the plumed headdress and he's presenting a scroll to Momus declaring that this is his knight and his ball and he is the guy. Momus stopped parading in, 19, in, in uh, 1993 as well as part of the Mardi Gras ordinance mess. And one of the things that happened over time was that they, you know, the, the, basically these guys, they just, I, I, they, they were not going to play with the city and they were not going to comply with the majority, uh, you know, with the, the, the majority black city council and make changes to what they do. They would rather go inside and not parade at that point. I honestly think in some cases, those guys actually thought that, that, uh, that the, uh, the public, you know, that the public outcry for these parades would bring them back and change things. Well, you know what? It didn't, but that's okay. You know, it's like this, they still do their thing. So Momus has their ball. Uh, Momus originally paraded on the Thursday before Mardi Gras. Now their ball is on that night, but the parade schedule has changed dramatically since they no longer parade. One of the things that happened, though, with uh, with Comus and, and Momus and these old line organizations is over time, the men who left or said, no, we're not doing this anymore in 1993. You know what? They were getting old and their sons and grandsons are like, hey, come on, we want to parade. This is this is fun stuff. And so it created chaos in the old luncheon clubs and the old line organizations and the that chaos became celebrated as the knights of chaos and basically the idea here was the younger men of these families said no we want a parade so they reorganized a carnival organization to meet the standards of the city and basically, they were like, we are not Momus. We are not Comus. We are the Knights of Chaos. We're going to do things a little bit differently and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so the Chaos returned after, uh, oh, gosh, I guess about eight years, uh, uh, nine years of no parading by the old line organizations. And this new organization forms. They they uh, form, you know, they do their floats. They have a supper dance. They don't have a ball per se because the old line organizations still have the debutante balls. But chaos now becomes part of the the outward parade, uh, uh, the outward parade tradition of carnival. Another parade that formed up with a bit of the old line folks as well as new folks in a revolutionary manner is the coup d'etat, as in coup d'etat. And again, this is 10 years later after 
the old line organizations depart from the streets and the um they 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 depart from the streets some of these men that paraded in those older crews want to come together they revolutionize a little bit they over i don't want to say they overthrow the old line crews but then the idea here was the crew d'etat like momus doesn't have a king or rather take it back comus doesn't have a king the crew d'etat who leads a coup d'etat a dictator so that the crew d'etat has a dictator. They have a banana wagon. They have all sorts of humorous aspects to the parade. What they do have is a traditional captain. And that's who you see here is the captain of the crew d'etat from 2003. There was one parade that came of the of the old line crews that left the streets in 1993 and returned in 2001. And that was the crew of Proteus. Proteus traditionally paraded on Lundi Gras. And going back, you can see the celebration there of uh, their theme, you know, the, the basically the, the, uh, the 2019 Proteus parade was a retrospective of the various themes of the parade through the years. And so this is a this is the float to show the uh the theme from 1881, the unseen New Orleans. And so you get but you get the idea. This parade been around for a long time. I mean 1881, that's uh basically nine years after Rex. So we're talking an old crew. They followed suit in 1993, but they came back on their own in uh, in in uh, 2001, and they now they continue to parade on Lundi Gras. The Twelfth Night Revelers, of course, continued their tradition. They didn't need to leave the streets because they were they left the streets in 1870. One of the more interesting aspects of the Twelfth Night Revelers Ball uh, on uh, on on January 6th was the complications of World War One. We don't celebrate Carnival. We didn't celebrate Carnival during the Southern Rebellion, World War One, and World War Two. So by 1920, after after the armistice and the end of World War One, there were three sets of maids and three queens at that point. You had the 1818 group, the 1819 group, 1818, excuse me, 1918, 1919, and 1920. So the Twelfth Night Ball actually enthroned three courts they had three queens that year so lest we not lest we deny the young ladies their chance to be presented to society so that's the idea so in 1920 this is a a um uh a clipping from the uh, the uh, new orleans times picayune talking about the three courts on january 6 1920 Here's a float. This is a Comus float from 1952, but the theme that year were, was a shout out to other carnival organizations. And so this is float six or car six, as you can see in the notation underneath. The float designs uh, back in the day 
would be originally like a charcoal or a pencil sketch. And you'd take the pencil sketch and an artist would take over and then apply watercolors to it. And you'd end up with a watercolor painting, a watercolor illustration that then you would turn over to the float builders. And this is the float in the 52 Comus Parade celebrating or honoring the Twelfth Night Revelers. And you can see the bell, the, 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 the jingle bells, the cowbell, are all uh, the symbols of making noise and announcing the beginning of carnival. You see the maskers who are now taking to the streets, ringing the bells and going from there. You see the king cake, a little more of a classic king cake by night that what we know is a king cake, you know, the oval shaped cake you see there in the front that says 12th night, uh, the, the knight's helmet, because that was the idea behind Carnival or Mardi Gras was the knighting of the new squad of the squires. Uh, so that's basically the idea there. Uh, it's the old wagon floats and you can see it says 10 men and it shows you the positions five on each side uh, for uh, for Comus that year. Uh, it's the old wagon wheel floats uh, that are still in use by Proteus and uh, by Proteus and Chaos to this day. At the back of the float, you see those two what look like kidney beans, the gold and the silver. The kidney beans are the 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 it's it's a lucky bean, and the idea was that when uh, one of the features of the Twelfth Night Ball is they roll out a big king cake, and the the maids would then each receive a piece of the king cake, and the debutante or the maid who received the gold bean became the queen and the ones who received the silver beans became the maids for that year. And they had some ins and outs and ups and downs with this, but now of course it's a giant uh, wooden plaster mock-up of a cake and the, uh, the maids are strategically placed around it and there's little pullout drawers there and they tell them, okay, open your drawer and the gold bean is you know, strategically placed so they knew, know who's going to get it. This is the 12th Night Revelers Ball from 2018. And you see, of course, the, the, uh, the crew members are the bakers. So you see the captain of the crew and a lieutenant or a duke of the crew behind uh, behind the um the cake on the left hand side, you see the maids are seated in the front row, ready to be called up to pull open their drawer and see who is who is the queen. They all pretty much know all this. Is all pretty much all set in stone as we go, and that's how the ball works uh, in modern times. In addition to the crew members dressed up as bakers you have the big heads and the big head thing that's an an ongoing uh tradition there's always been a a, a joke about that uh in um uh in particular with Rex Comus because Rex uh, at the Rex Ball uh Kern Studios makes these big costumes with the giant heads the guy is actually chest high on the thing and the head is all you know the the what is the the face and the hat of the baker is all a big headpiece that 
that somebody inside that is wearing. Uh, this is, of course, the Twelfth Night Revelers Ball. Uh, these photos are from uh, photographer Josh Brasted, who uh, this is from uh, 2018. And the Twelfth Night Revelers Ball was held at the Ritz-Carlton at the time. Uh, main reason for that is, you know, the Twelfth Night Revelers could probably have gotten away with using the Municipal Auditorium. But at this point, the auditorium uh, no longer could support that because it was converted to the uh, original casino and all sorts of things going on with that facility. So everything's done in hotels now. And of course, once the Twelfth Night Revelers are doing their thing, we kick off king cake season on January 6th. Here's a very classic uh, iced king cake from Adrian's Bakery out in Gentilly. Adrian is a great man. His family are wonderful people. Uh, you want a good king cake? Uh, and, and believe me, they're not they're not paying me for this. I just I, I like their I like their baked goods. I like their Danish and donuts and and everything. They're at uh, Paris Avenue in Gentilly. I'm assuming Paris Avenue in Mirabeau out in Gentilly. In addition to the Twelfth Night Revelers, another group formed up back in the 1870s, and it was kind of a frat boy group before frat boys were were cool but basically it was a group of men who were not up to the status if you will of the uh of the the rex organization so they would parade behind the rex parade or mixed into the parade there wasn't a lot of restrictions back then it wasn't like cops were going to show them the door that kind of thing and they would basically mock the king of carnival by 1883 this group the funny 40 fellows became much more organized they didn't hold their own they weren't following rex anymore but they became a thing and had their own ball and tableau on 12th night so you had the 12th night revelers in one theater or opera house and in 1883 the funny 40 fellows with ph instead of F's for all of those words, uh, had their celebration at the St. Charles Theater on St. Charles Avenue. The Funny 40 Fellows did not last long into the 20th century and kind of fizzled. But by the 1990s, Errol Laborde, who is the editor emeritus of New Orleans Magazine and uh, wrote, for, wrote for just about everything and has written uh, a number of books, and is generally regarded as a, a brilliant uh, authority on New Orleans politics and society, Errol is talking and chatting with friends, and they're all like, man, we ought to have our own parade. And they're like, yeah, do you know how much parades cost and floats and everything else? And one of the folks in that social group said, how about if we hire a streetcar? Because back in the 90s, it was easy to just charter a streetcar, bring on your own keg, bring on, uh, uh, bring your own own uh, liquor, food, whatever you wanted. It was a chartered uh, vintage uh, 1923 Roof St. Charles streetcar. And so the Funny 40 Fellows reconstituted in the 90s. And here's a shot of people waving out to folks 
uh, on uh, most likely you see the, the the guy with the camera lens there. This is most likely shot in the streetcar barn. Uh, this is an uh, information photo from 09. And basically the, the funny 40 fellows would be two streetcars full of party goers that, uh, you know, Errol and his his friends and colleagues and everything else, they would load up the, these two streetcars and then ride down uh, St. Charles Avenue to Lee Circle. So they would start up on uh, on uh, South Carrollton Avenue at, at Carrollton Station at the streetcar barn. They'd go down Carrollton, turn on to St. Charles, announcing and, you know, you know uh, declaring the celebration of Carnival. And then basically the, the streetcars would then circle. They wouldn't go into town. They'd circle around Harmony Circle and come back the other way and return to the to the barn. Uh, for the last two years, my my high school, Brother Martin High School, has had uh, the, the they've had a, a celebration at an alumni's house on St. Charles Avenue. And they've had Arthur Hardy come because uh, Arthur was a longtime band director at Brother Martin. Uh, and then uh, left left Brother Martin to do the Mardi Gras guide and become basically the you know the the Mardi Gras authority that he is at um uh in in the seven uh, actually I think it was in the eighties he left uh, but anyway so uh, Arthur rides on the Funny Forty Fellows streetcar they stop in front of this alum's house on St Charles Avenue and then they have a a, a basically a, a a nice uh fancy party at this alum's house. Uh, so it's and of course it's a fundraiser for the school and that kind of thing. So that's the funny forty fellows keeping the twelfth. Okay, let's pause for a second, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Black Mardi Gras, which is quite of a different origin as you as you would expect. Back in a moment. Pretty much everything we've talked about so far has been segregated. We're talking everything up to now, with the exception of black men carrying the flambos, has been for white folks. Uh, strictly speaking, uh, enslavement still exists. It still existed when Comus began with their first parade in 1857. Of course, the Thirteenth Amendment. By the time you see those those illustrations from the uh, 1870s and 1880s, the black men were were no longer enslaved, but they're still not treated. Still, you know, incredible amount of segregation coming into Jim Crow, et cetera, et cetera. So black folks had their own way of doing carnival because, well, they had to, and they weren't going to be, you know, weren't just going to. Oh well, that's for white people. No, it's carnival. It's 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 the you know pre it's it's coming into Lent and that kind of thing. So, uh, black folks still had their way of doing things. And going back into the late eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties, you start seeing black men doing what's known as masking Indian, and the idea was for black men in New Orleans to make elaborate Native American elaborate costumes celebrating the indigenous celebrating native americans uh there's all kinds of theories on how they get this got started like inspired by native americans who who were traveling with the uh, traveling uh carnival type shows like wild bill hickox 
uh, Western show, that kind of thing. And you always had Native Americans in classic Plains Indian garb and that kind of thing. And that's some of the theories as to how this got started, that black men would say, well, we're going to honor, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're not, you know, we're, we're indigenous to the extent that we, we were brought over here enslaved. And so they would honor the tradition of local indigenous and mask Indian, as it were. And while most of the time in terms of uh, uh, popular parlance and, and, and commentary, we see that uh, we still refer to these groups as Mardi Gras Indians. It's a family event. You have, you have the warriors, then you have the chief, and then an organization or a tribe will have a big chief and the big chief will have or the you know the 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 indian chief and the indian big chief for that tribe or for that carnival organization of course will have a consort and they refer to them as the queen and the big queen and you got to get the kid yeah you you can't not have the kids involved right so even the kids would mask indian as well this tradition goes on to this day uh, the the classic tradition of masking Indian is that the Indians, the men, the warriors, the chiefs all make a new suit of pretty every year. You wear the old suit. You know, it's like a lot of times you can recoup a lot of your costs when a convention comes in August. And then they hire the Indians to come and do a uh, a carnival demonstration at a, at a convention for out of town folks and that kind of thing. Uh, one of the the one of the main uh, themes or the main uh, story arcs in uh, uh, David Simon's uh, HBO series Treme was about Mardi Gras Indians and some of the traditions and the music and everything else. Highly recommend that uh, to get in. Uh, or better yet, go out on Carnival Day and look for the Indians. Go out on Super Sunday uh, in, in April and go look for them when they hit the streets. There was and still is an organized, well, there's several parades now that if not are, I wouldn't say they're all black organizations, but they are mostly black organizations. And that starts back in 1914 with Zulu. And of course the idea here, it's again, Zulu gets is similar to the funny 40 fellows. It gets its origins in mockery. And the idea here was to take a lard can and put it on, uh, put it on a, a a black man and give him a palm frond as a scepter. Put him on a cart pulled by mules, and you you what do you have? You have a parade, and so here you can see here is Zulu coming down the uh, marching on the on the bank of the Carondelet Canal, heading into Basin Street by night by the nineteen twenties for the date of this particular image. You see, it's become much more of a parade. You don't see the elaborate costumes. These men are dressed nice. They're wearing suits. They're wearing fedoras. But you don't see a lot of money here. And that's the class differentiation between what we were seeing with the old line parades like Comus, Momus, Rex, and Proteus by the 20s. This be, is a, a different class of or social strata here because it is basically all black at this point. 
the most notable king of Zulu, paraded in 1946, and it was Pops. Louis Armstrong left the city a long time earlier in the 20s because of Jim Crow and the issues surrounding that. He goes to Chicago. He goes out to goes to out to L.A. He ends up in New York and spends basically the rest of his life as a New Yorker. But by after World War Two, you have you know, it's it's one of those situations where some of these cats that were playing jazz in the 1910s are getting up in age. And so there's a revival of traditional jazz in the uh, in post World War II 1940s going into the 50s, Zulu is a strong carnival organization at this time. It's it's a big deal in the black community. So they they talk pops, they fly pops down, put him in blackface like the traditional Zulu members, and he is the king of Zulu for Carnival 1946. The classic throw, you know, the, the 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 most coveted thing you can catch isn't beads or doubloons at a Zulu parade. It's the Zulu coconut. Zulu members will buy coconuts. They'll drain the milk. They'll hollow it out and then shave the coconut, paint them gold, paint them black, put decorations, glitter, put a glitter Z on the coconut. And those become very prized, very precious catches uh, so, you know, it's like the uh, they originally they would toss and throw them. That got complicated because coconuts can be heavy and cause injury. So city ordinance says that you have to hand them down off the float uh, instead of throwing them. Uh, look, this is uh, Zulu from just a few years ago from 2018. Look at those costumes. We're not talking uh, we're not talking men who don't have the money to spend on elaborate costuming like those uh like those those uh parade goers in the 1920s these are men of new orleans society they are wearing you know they they put a lot of money into this just like uh you know just, they they're they're buying these so they're putting a lot of money into it unlike the indians you know the, you mask indian you make your own costume and that kind of thing um, and look at that cue on the left. You know, I mean, he's yeah, he's taking that seriously with that that uh, that blue and purple and gold, uh, purple and gold uh, costume with the elaborate uh, the the elaborate headpiece. And then you've got the Zulu that's kind of looking like a witch doctor in the middle there, and uh, kind of get the idea here. It's 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 Zulu. It's a big deal. The Zulu parades. On Mardi Gras morning, the um, the tradition there was that Zulu would step off around 8 a.m. from Jackson and Claiborne. They'd go down Jackson to St. Charles. They'd turn on St. Charles and head into the city at that point. Pass by, they, they pass by Gallier Hall. They're, they're saluted, toasted by the mayor, that kind of thing. Over time, you started seeing like um, Mayor Mark Morial would ride with the cops in front of Zulu uh, and then he'd dismount at Gallier Hall so he'd be in position to welcome Zulu the King when the parade got there a little bit later, that kind of thing. Um, so that's the idea basically is that Zulu will head into the city 
and pass Gallier Hall with Rex stepping off and parading. Uh, what Rex would do is they leave, they leave their den on uh, on Claiborne uh, between Louisiana and Napoleon. They would go up Claiborne to Napoleon Avenue, turn and go down Napoleon to St. Charles, and then they would go down St. Charles into town. So basically they the theory was with the news and you know the new news and everything that um Rex would hit uh Gallier Hall around eleven thirty and then they would uh you'd have Rex at the Pickwick Club at um the corner of uh St. Charles and Canal uh right at, at the new news and everything. Some of that's changed a, a little bit the uh, they don't use the Pickwick Club anymore. They use the Intercontinental Hotel, and but you still get the idea that you know it's the two big crews on Carnival Day. Zulu is not a cheap proposition if you want to be in the upper strata of the crew. The, to be to become king of Zulu, you have to campaign. You are chosen. You are elected. King Zulu by voting members of the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club. And to get there, you've got to wine and dine those folks and influence them and everything else. It's not cheap. But if you have the money, like uh, in 2020, Dr. Chandon Macias, I'm, I'm sorry, Chandon Macias is the queen, my bad. Uh, Mr. Sims, Mr. Brian Sims campaigned, became Zulu the king, and has this incredibly elaborate costume and a matching one for Dr. Macias, who was his consort uh, that year. Uh, there's action in the background there. You can see they're forming up at the Zulu Ball, which the Zulu Ball traditionally is the Friday before Mardi Gras. So crew d'etat, the crew of Hermes, and other, per, other stuff going on on the street. Zulu goes to the convention center and has their big ball. And you can see they're lining up just like Rex, just like Comus. You have a grand march. They're lining up so that King and Queen Zulu are going to lead the court. You can see on the left-hand side there, Zulu is, is Zulu presents their debutantes as well. Uh, Black Carnival is, like I said, it is a thing. And you can see those ladies in the long white dresses. That's the court. Those are the maids of Zulu. They are the ladies being presented to polite society, uh, uh, in, in this case, for 2020. 2020, of course, was the last carnival before the pandemic. And there are a lot of people that blame Mardi Gras for a lot of the spread of the pandemic, which is, yeah, you know, I can... I'm I'm not an epidemiologist or an infectious disease person, but man, you put a whole bunch of people together and we really didn't know for sure what was going on then. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that had something to do with it all as well. But you can see that at the time, they didn't quite, you know, that was not a concern. We were still celebrating. Debutantes, as we said, the carnival organizations presented their young ladies to society, uh, debutante season, the cotillion season that you'd see in other cities, the white debutantes uh, would uh, participate in the old line carnival balls. Those were the debutante cotillions, as it were. Black society was not to be outdone. 
and there were uh, the be beginning with the original Illinois club. Here's a shot of the ball and the court of the original Illinois club, one of the first black society uh, debutante cotillions uh, at, you know, of course, held during carnival time in, you know, just in sync with white society. This one in, uh, in 1895. Then also then there was the Young uh, young Men's Illinois Club as Zulu became, I don't want more respect, more organized and more of a traditional thing. Zulu, as you saw coming back uh, from that 19, from that 2020 photo, you see Zulu also presents Debs and presents a court as well. Okay, so there's our O-line cruise and our Black Carnival. Then we start having carnival for the masses, and that's where the super crews come in. We're going to talk about Bacchus and Demian, Orpheus, Zulu, and Rex are counted as super crews, even though they had different origins, but they are still a big thing. So let's let's start with this. In uh, 1967, a group of businessmen were like, we need to do something to promote the weekend before Carnival. You've got everything happening on Monday night and Tuesday, and you've got people from out of town that are going, I can't come. I've got to go to work, that kind of thing. So that so what happened was a group of businessmen organized a parade for the Sunday night before Mardi Gras. You had the big the big celebrations on Carnival Day. You had Lundi Gras the day before. Now let's have a big parade on Sunday night so people could then hop on a plane later that evening or Monday morning and go back home and go and get on with, you know, where to every other in every other place it's just Tuesday kind of thing. The first parade that that starts this idea and the first group of businessmen was. Uh, nudged along by a number of civic leaders and uh, and um, entertainers, and they became the crew of Bacchus, first parading in 1968. And Bacchus, uh, well, Bacchus starts, and uh, Bacchus, of course, is the uh, Roman god of wine. He's the Bacchus is the Roman name for the god Dionysius. And so, uh, hey, what better than the god of wine? One of the things about Bacchus, of course, is that they broke tradition in that the king of Bacchus is not a member of the crew, but is an, usually an entertainer, an actor, a singer, that kind of thing, where not, uh, again, an out-of-towner, but again, to promote the wider aspect of Carnival. And you can see here's uh, a float. Uh, this is the, the the theme float. And you can see that big head behind you is a representation of the god of wine. One of the real popular floats, uh, like a, a number of parades, you have floats that appear every year. This is Bacchusaurus. And you can see it's a big dinosaur. Uh, Blaine Kern Studios uh, does the Bacchus parade. This is uh, the the one of the, the permanent displays, if you will, at Blaine Kern's Mardi Gras World is the Bacchusaurus float. This float takes to the streets every year as part of the parade. Those wine barrels that are that the dinosaur is carrying on his back hold 
a crew each one is is the spot for a crew member and uh it's not a big float by comparison to some of them but uh it's it's a big deal it's it's fun you can see in the background there you've got the uh the the queen kong float because they had uh bacchus also you know uh uh current studios made a King Kong, Queen Kong, and Baby Kong floats for Bacchus. And in the background, you also see uh, what look like railroad cars. That's for the crew of Orpheus. It's the, the Smoky Mary, which the Smoky Mary was the train, the nickname for the train for the uh, Pontchartrain Railroad that ran from Faubourg Marigny out to Lake Pontchartrain along what is now Elysian Fields. But here, here's Bacchusaurus, and this is just one of the coolest floats of of the of of the season the other super crew uh starting back in uh organized in 1967 the crew of endymion originally began as a gentilly kind of parade they started parading down gentilly uh down gentilly boulevard down by the racetrack it was organized by a bunch of St. Aloysius graduates, you know, from the Ninth Ward and from Gentilly, led by uh, 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 the late Ed Munez, a former uh, former mayor of Kenner and uh, owner, radio station owner, businessman. Uh, and he organized a parade, basically, uh, you know, for his buddies, let's have a parade, that kind of thing. Bacchus comes on the scene a year later and uh, starts with a massive blowout. The men of Endymion say, hey, we can do this. And they start putting together these this huge parade with 1,500, 1,800 men in the crew. Giant floats. See this float? That two-piece that two piece articulated float. This is a float for the captain. This is from the from Carnival 2015. Uh, you can see the captain is wearing a tr the traditional white captain's uniform. Um, at that point, uh, Captain Eddie is getting a little up in age, so that could have been his son-in-law in there. But hey, he's wearing the mask. It's always it's Captain Eddie, right? Go salute the captain and that kind of thing. So there's this is the Endymion float. You'll see that Endymion parades on the Saturday before Carnival. So you had. Proteus and yeah, Proteus and Hermes and uh, not Proteus. I'm sorry, Crude d'Etat and Hermes on Friday. You have the Zulu Ball on Friday. On Saturday, you have a whole slate of day parades, and then the big parade at night is the crew of Endymion that starts out by City Park. It travels from city uh, from City Park uh, up or down Orleans Avenue. Orleans turns on to North Carrollton, then turns on to Canal Street. They have to start this parade at like 4.30 in the afternoon because it's huge. And by the time it hits Canal Street, it's full on nighttime. And they spare no expense with fiber optics and lights. And you can see here, here's you know these, these uh, uh, articulated multi-section double-decker floats. And all they're just constantly throwing and bombarding. The crowds are incredible. Uh, it's 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 an experience in itself. So Endymion rolls on that Saturday, then Bacchus on Sunday. Then we are into full on 
you know, I don't know what day it is, kind of drinking and everything with Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Not to be left out of the super cruise and parading in general, ladies' organizations have been parading since the 1920s and 1930s. By the by the 2000s, by the 1990s and 2000s, the ladies want their own super crew. And that's where the crew of muses comes in. Zulu has the coconut as their signature throw. The crew of muses has shoes. The ladies of muses decorate shoes, just like the men of Zulu decorate the coconuts. And they hand down, you know, it's like go thrift shopping, thrift shopping, Goodwill, red, white, and blue, wherever you can buy shoes, spray paint it into a uh, into a color, glitter it, decorate it, and those are the prize throws of the night. So therefore, when you have a grand marshal or a celebrity that you want to honor, with, that the crew of muses want to honor, they do so with a giant fiber optic decorated shoe float. Muses is a thing. It's on the, uh, the uh, Wednesday night, no, take that back, Thursday night before Carnival, uh, it's uh, it's as crowded and packed as uh, uh, it's as crowded and packed as everything, uh, every other super crew that you have. It's arguably because of its position uh, earlier in the week. It's arguably the first super crew of the season that hits the streets. Fun parade, good throws, and just beautiful floats. Lundi Gras, the big, we have Proteus that historically Proteus steps off early, uh, 5.36 uh, or so to make its way through town. The theory was that Proteus needed to be back to the municipal auditorium for their ball on Lundi Gras night by nine o'clock. You know, they wanted to be there for 8.30 so you could get in and get set up and go from there. In addition to that, Harry Connick Jr., the musician and actor, son of, of course, long-term Orleans Parish District Attorney Harry Connick Sr., organized a crew to really blow out Lundy Gras night, and that became the crew of Orpheus. And what you're looking at is the crew of Orpheus's signature big deal, and that's the Leviathan. It's an oriental dragon. And it's a, another one of these giant floats that has a whole bunch of riders. And uh, they actually make a um, they actually make a Leviathan plushie that believe me, my now 35 year old son would kill for those when he was like six or seven, that kind of thing. Uh, this is Le the Leviathan float, which is a recurring float from current studios uh, uh, every you know, every year. This is Orpheus from 2010. Carnival parades are more than just floats. You've got bands, music, marching groups, dancing groups, all sorts of stuff going on. One of the signature bands of carnival season is the Marching 100 the Saint, uh, the Purple Knights of Saint Augustine High School. You know how other parts of the country have HBCUs, historically black 
colleges and universities. New Orleans, let's hold my beer, right? You know, it's a New Orleans, we, 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 we go beyond that. New Orleans is a very Catholic city. New Orleans was also a very segregated city so that the Catholic high schools in New Orleans didn't take young black men or young black women. St. Mary's Academy was a segregated, still historically black girls high school. We have a, in addition, you know, we don't just have like Dillard and Xavier, which are HBCs, HBCUs. We have St. Augustine High, which is an HBHS, historically black high school. It's for young men. Uh, primarily, it's Catholic. It's uh, owned and operated by the Josephite Fathers. And over time, the Marching 100, the Purple Knights of St. Augustine, have become the premier high school, one of the premier high school bands. I should say one because that's disputed by other schools. One of their biggest rivals is Warren Eastern, Warren Eastern Charter School on Canal Street, the original boys' high school. And they can put out a sound that that you know will, you know, one of the things that you'll see is when uh parades form up, like you know, forming up for uh forming up for Bacchus or forming up for a uh for uh, other parades and all of these bands are in the same general vicinity and you have some serious battle of the band action going before they all step off. Another one, true HBCU, Southern University in Baton Rouge, the human jukebox will come down for carnival, uh, will march in various parades. This is Southern University in 2019 marching in Rex. They're passing Gallier Hall. You can see the columns of Gallier Hall on the right there. Carnival 2020 was the last parade. I don't even want to say before COVID. We're pretty much during COVID at that point. And, you know, hindsight 2020. Carnival 2020 happened, but certainly by then, moving into the spring of 20, into the summer, COVID was a, a full-on pandemic. So by 2021, there we the, everybody's sheltering in place, you know, lockdown kind of things are, you know, social distancing, spreading out, wearing your mask. So a lot of the float makers were out of work because there were no floats to build. So folks would say, hey, if you want to decorate my house, we can do that. And the float builders, the artists would put to get put together sponsors. And what happened was what what uh, what evolved and what happened for for Carnival 2021 was what was known as Yardy Gras, where basically we had house floats, not house boats but house floats and the professional artisans would uh you know work at, you know work out an arrangement with somebody like here's a double in uh in the Irish channel uh that was decorated up kind of looking like a little bit of a of a voodoo detat kind of thing going on there with the skull here's another one where artisans turned it into birds and a big floral display and decorate the houses so now you could park in the neighborhood and walk by the houses you wore your mask you stayed apart we didn't have a huge you know you didn't have the huge crowds that you would normally expect 
you kind of get the idea there. Yardy Gras 2021 with all sorts of stuff. Here's a little bit of a hat tip to the Leviathan and kind of wishing Orpheus was back, that sort of thing. After 2021, going into 2022, we start getting the vaccines. People are starting to return to a non-pandemic life, not a non-COVID life because we're still we're still live we're still living the full covid life but by last year in particular by 2023 carnival was full on back out people coming out on the street we're vaccinated we're not as many people wearing masks as probably ought to but you get the idea and so of course we're really in full swing again with carnival last year here's the crew of proteus on lundy grand night with the us marine corps leading off the parade. It's a tradition among a number of the older old line crews. Also because you don't see as many high schools coming out on Lundy Gras and Mardi Gras because even the kids and the teachers want to go out and be out with their friends and family for Mardi Gras. <clears throat> so you have a lot of military units that have bands that will come in town uh, or you have uh, schools like the Citadel in South Carolina in uh, the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, and their drill team would come will come down. Army bands, Air Force bands, the Marines here, that kind of thing. So the parade goes on, the entertainment goes on, uh, just inviting in some of the men and women who serve in our armed forces. Here's a float from the uh, uh, Proteus parade last year. So the Marines lead it off. Here's the theme of uh of uh proteus for last uh last year this is here's proteus the god of the sea presenting the year's theme thanks to mobilis in mobili <laughs> obviously uh you know that that is a uh contributor to the to wiki uh to wikimedia commons who took these great pictures from last year mobilis moved into the french quarter uh for carnival day and you can see he's got uh, uh, shooting just the general crowd scene on Bourbon Street on Carnival Day last year. Here's another shot of uh, uh, most likely Zulu on uh, 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 not, that's not Bourbon Street. I, I captioned that wrong. I cheated. I guess I didn't edit it properly. That's going to be coming down St. Charles Avenue. That's the... Uh, Carver High School uh, marching band with their uh, 76 trombones, their trombones leading the way. So you can see we transitioned, you know, we got, we got, we had Carnival 2020, we got whacked by COVID and by last year, everything's still full swing and we're rolling and ready for parades this year in 2024. Whew. That's a lot of stuff, but it's, it's a primer. It's the idea of trying to, you know, present a little bit of everything so you can get some background on where Mardi Gras came from and where we are with it, where the carnival celebration goes forward. A word from your sponsor. Buy my books. My first book was the uh, the the one in the middle there. It says New Orleans, a Canal Streetcar Line. I then wrote a book about my high school, Brother Martin High School. It's actually a, comp uh, a combination of the three schools 
by that that were that were operated by the Brothers of the Sacred Heart in New Orleans, originally St. Aloysius, going back to 1869, Coriezu and Gentili in 1954, and then the merging of those two schools in Gentili, which is now my school, Brother Martin High. Uh, I graduated in 76. I'm getting to be an old guy, but you get the idea. Uh, Maison Blanche Department Stores was a, uh, uh, I wrote an article about Mr. Bingle, their signature mascot that evolved into a whole Arcadia Images of America book on the history of the department store chain. Uh, I was going to pitch in 15, I was going to pitch a book on Faubourg Treme to tie with the TV show. And the publisher came back and said, how about we expand that and talk about jazz as a concept? And that became the book that you see there, New Orleans Jazz. Uh, Arcadia Publishing has a second imprint that's the Le Legendary Locals series. And uh, Legendary Locals of New Orleans is is kind of like a who's who. It's short, uh, short biographies of 200 uh, local people from all walks of life that are legends in New Orleans history and, and, and culture. My last book so far uh, uh, came out in 2017, and it's another department store book. It's a history of, uh, it's called Krauss, the New Orleans Value Store, the history of Krauss Department Store, uh, which for almost 100 years stood at 1201 Canal Street, right by Basin Street. Again, I'm Ed, Ed Brandley. I'm NOLA History Guy. The website is nolahistoryguy.com. You can find me pretty much anywhere on social media as NOLA History Guy. Uh, that's a shot of three streetcars at Canal and Rampart Street in 1914. I like this picture so much, I use it as my business card. Thank you so much for this. It's good to, it's fun to, to present this background on what Carnival is all about. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have questions, thoughts, comments, please leave them on Facebook, threads, Twitter, wherever you see me or see this. Let's talk about things. You want to share a story? Uh, I'm all about it. That's that's literally what I like to do is tell stories and listen to them. Uh, tip of the hat to the folks who created this little parchment scroll theme for PowerPoint. Uh, it's in the commons and you see the reference there. Okay, and that's a wrap for our first podcast of 2024. We're going to keep the, the carnival stuff going for a little bit. They'll be shorter because this is our primer, but uh, it's like king cake, right? You know, we've, we've got a limited time to eat it and then it goes away till next year. So we're going to continue talking about carnival next week. Uh, stick with us and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.